You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. BJC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And as always on a Thursday, the five o'clock shadow is populated by two giant individuals, intellectually, of course, and that is Viv Govender from Rand Swiss and David Shapiro from Sassman Securities. Sassman. That, I remember, I remember, I'm, I'm getting on as you are. I remember that you're from Sassman Securities in Miro's Arch. And I think I'm going to start with you today, Viv, because a share called NVIDIA has come out. Now, I read all the stories about it and I looked at the results and they were sensational, of course. But it's re in, one company's results has reinvigorated a whole a global stock market, which was under a little bit of pressure 24, 36 hours ago. And I'm looking at my screen now, the S&P is at record highs. The Japanese market this morning went to multi-decade highs. How can one company be the cause of all this? Over to you, Viv Govender. Um, in one word, or two rather, AI, artificial intelligence. Uh, NVIDIA is an AI company. Like about no, over 80% of it's, it's uh, like, it used to be basically a graphics card company, you know, making computers, uh, chips for like gaming and so on. That business is like less than 20% of its current uh, operations. The majority of it is switching over to AI. And AI basically uh, seems to be going crazy because the revenue jumped, uh, you know, what's it, 200 plus percent, uh, indicating that demand for AI chips is insane at the moment. Uh, and that basically means that the, you know, industry out there uh, is investing in training these new uh, devices. And uh, with the new chips coming out this year as well from NVIDIA, I think it's going to be even crazier in the next set of results. Okay, uh, just to, to make things clear, do you or your clients or both own NVIDIA? Uh, I have to, it's, I have an AI portfolio. NVIDIA is almost gonna have to own an, in an AI portfolio. Okay, well, congratulations <laughs> after what happened uh, last night. <laughs> David Shapiro, you love the AI story, don't you? But do you love NVIDIA? Are you regretful that maybe you don't own as much as you should? I've got plenty. You know, and, uh, you know, how much of a good thing can you have? You've also got to be very careful because I've got to admit that last night before the results came out, there was such a frenzy in the market that I got very nervous. I got nervous because uh, I was concerned that perhaps analysts, observers, whoever was commentating just, uh, you know, was putting too high a price on what the company was going to produce. The fact that they actually exceeded those expectations is credit to what's happening in the market. You know, something that we've been talking about but couldn't really quantify. And I was nervous because I think as we discussed on Monday, Lindsay, there are a number of hedge funds with exposure to to NVIDIA. And you know, when hedge funds take big positions, as I I said on Monday, hedge funds is just, uh, is a non-name, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's anything but a hedge fund. These yes. are trading funds, yes. you know, and, and I was dead. I was worried that in case this didn't meet the expectations, they would suddenly say, okay, let's lighten up and, uh, you know, it could bring havoc. So um, I, I was in a state of kind of nervousness last night. So around that, you know, um, so, so I'm very pleased that they met the expectations. I think the big thing we have to ask, and Viv will have to answer this, is okay, they, they're talking about this year, they're talking about next year, which are going to be incredibly good. We've got to now start thinking three years out, you know, whether or not competition comes and whether they can maintain their dominance. You know, uh, it, 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 
you know, it, it's one thing that people never understand about big businesses and, and is that they continue to create, you know. So they've got, they, they've got to be very, very innovative to keep this momentum up. So for the meantime, we're okay. You know, we're cruising. Yeah, yeah, cruising, very much so. I saw one negative comment about or interview about AI yesterday because people are obviously trying to pick holes in it just to be the first one that says, no, AI is not right. And it was to do with some chat GPT situation where they'd mashed up the Spanish language with the English language when asked to a certain question. (laughs) And one day someone's going to come out and say, well, AI, I'm sorry, it's, it's not for us and we've got to slap some regulation on this particular development, if AI is a development. But of course, it's got an unstoppable momentum. But Viv, do you have any warning signs when you have a look at NVIDIA and looking at AI in general? Well, look, I think, I think it's to do with the the nature of the current technology. So a lot of the stuff that happens in the market and happens in the world relates to the actual underlying physical technology. And right now, it seems that the way you get better AI is just adding more data and more computer chip. Uh, so basically, if you're adding more computer chips and more data, the the data basically, you, you source from everywhere. I mean, there's debates about what is required or what is required to be paid to people that created the data, etc. But when it comes to basically the computer chips right now, uh, uh, the chip-making companies, it's not just uh, NVIDIA, it's AMD, even ARM, uh, you know, obviously ASML also up like 5 plus percent today. Uh, these guys basically uh, are the one area that you can spend money on uh, and pretty much be certain of what current technology, you're going to get a better product. And if you look at the valuation given through for something like, for instance, uh, you know, OpenAI of about almost $100 billion or so, and look at the kind of money flowing in. Almost all the money you see flowing into AI at the moment is going basically to buy computer chips. <laughs> that is just the fact. Mm-hmm. If, if you basically are putting money into, you know, open AI, you're using that money to go and buy cloud computing services, which are going to be basically used to buy computer chips. Uh, if you mistral, uh, you know, all these guys, an inflow effectively goes to NVIDIA or AMD, who, who's maybe trying to catch up, but mostly NVIDIA at the moment. So until that changes, until, for instance, we see scaling laws start to fail, where, you know, doubling the amount of compute power doesn't give you a substantial increase in the quality of the product you get at the end of the day, uh, I think NVIDIA is going to be doing reasonably well. Uh, just, I'll stay with you on this one, Viv, just very quickly, because it sounds like a really puerile, facile question. But if you wanted to buy a chip, okay, you phone up NVIDIA today, you, Viv Governor, phoned up and said, I'd like a chip. I'd like an AI chip, please. And this is me being very simplistic. How long would it take for you to get that chip, I mean, given the fact that there is such a demand for this particular product? At the moment, I mean, apparently, according to NVIDIA, the demand uh, is coming closer to supply. Uh, so it's, it's closing a little bit. But I heard last year, guys were talking about the fact that you could literally go and buy a Picasso for less and more easily than you could buy 10 NVIDIA chips <laughs> <laughs> last year. <laughs> and, and quite frankly, it's not, it's not going to be 10. These guys are talking in like like Meta and like you know, uh, Microsoft, are talking in quantities of hundreds of thousands of chips. Those are the orders. So you're going in trying to ask for one is going to be basically ignored. You need to be putting an order of a couple hundred million. <laughs> yeah, you know what you I mean. Get any kind of priority. Yeah, but, but yeah. There, there, is a, there is a backlog. There's not a, a sea of chips out there that you can buy. It is in, in such demand that you're going to have to join the queue, in other words. David, um, that's a very good sign, isn't it, for the market? Oh, yes. Oh, and, and how? Oh, look, sooner or later, they will catch up. But I think the problem is that this is an industry progressing at such a pace that uh, the chip they produce now, or if you're trying to catch up to NVIDIA now, by the time you catch up, they've got another 
more modern chip coming out as well. So I think I think that's one of the big worries uh, is 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 how do you keep up and and particularly with this very fast improving um, AI system. I'm fascinated by what what I'm seeing in uh, you know what I'm what I'm seeing in ChatGPT. Mm. I'm on the four. I'm paying my twenty dollars a month. And uh, I find it remarkable. If ever I need to know anything, I need uh, data produced. It's it's, and I mean this in all seriousness. Yes, it's making my life a lot easier. Really, you know, David. In terms of, in term, you know, in terms of asking questions, in terms of asking questions on companies and so on, and on data that I need to know on world data, on economic data, anything like that, and even on producing not graphics. Um, I was sitting with my little grandson yesterday and he came up to me and I said, you know, his name's Binyamin, Binny. I said, what do you want? He says, well, I want to be scoring a goal at the Emirates wearing an Argentinian jersey. No, he wanted wanted Messi. He said, I wanted Messi next to me. Anyway, I created this. I said, no, I said, I want a young man, a young boy scoring a goal at the Emirates in London, at the World Cup, representing Argentina uh, with Messi. And I came back and said, look, we can't do Messi, privacy. But it produced this picture. You know, remark, two seconds, five, not even, a minute. Produced exactly, he was absolutely stunned, you hmm. know, that there it was, this little boy in an Argentinian jersey, and, you know, whatever it was. And that. So I'm saying, that, okay, we're fooling around. But, I mean, the capabilities are quite remarkable. And if you need this from a research point of view, it's, you know, phenomenal. It is quite remarkable. And I'll, I'll throw this out to both of you, but you, David, first, because you introduced the theme of it making life easier for you. It makes life yes. easier for you. Now, there's a good side to David Shapiro's life being easier, and there's a bad side as well, because <laughs> it means that other people can be David Shapiro. And then there's mass unemployment, and then there's social unrest. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's obviously a ridiculous example, but maybe maybe it will happen in the future. Is there a danger to AI yes. actually disrupting human existence? I don't I, Look, I, that's Viv is far more familiar with the technicalities <laughs> yes. than I am. But, you know, at the time, yesterday, when the budget was being announced, I wanted to know a little bit more about uh, the South African Reserve Bank Gold and Foreign Exchange Contingency Reserve account, you know, because people ask me, what does it mean and why do you use it? So I said to chat GPT-4, just give me an answer, you know, why why is it so important? What is this contingency reserve for? Two seconds later, buffer against external, you know, stocks, uh, confidence building, international obligations, support for monetary policy. Yeah, just gave me four to five paragraphs on the importance of what this stands for and how you can use it. Now, where would I have got that before? Google, no. You know, it gives you a hundred different places and then you go in and they start advertising and, and whatever it is. I literally had it in less than a minute just so I could, I could, what's the word, um, you know, refine my argument mm. if somebody asked me. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's little things like that that you can, especially economic issues and so on, you know, you can get the definitions that you want. And sometimes you're not fully sure of the argument. So, 
So you get the argument, but it's, it's not... It, it gives it, me information, you know, yeah. Yeah, but information it, that's already there, it's not looking for new information oh. and saying, oh, wait a second, I've thought of this, and maybe um, I should have been thinking of this rather than going back into history. Do, Viv, do you see any signs of danger that the, the, the way the world works at the moment, in other words, people go to work, a lot of people go to work every single day, do you think that's going to be disrupted? Yes, I mean, I give you two examples that you ask for new stuff, right? Like new things. That's um, not going to come from the LLMs. The LLMs tend to work off, uh, you know, it was kind of the kind of stuff that's available at the world at the moment, like the written language out there. They kind of predict the next word from that written language. And so you're not going to get too much in terms of new stuff in there. But there are things that are not LLMs, things like AlphaFold and GNOME. Like GNOME is this uh, thing that creates stable crystals or gives you uh, like the the makeup of stable crystals. And you think to yourself, what are stable crystals and why is that important? Yes. Do you know how important materials are to human life? Materials are so important to human life. We name entire eras of human history according to materials that were used. It's the Stone Age. It's the Bronze Age. It's the Iron Age because of the materials that were involved in here. And this thing comes out and creates two million different kind of materials. And of course, it's going to take scientists, I don't know how long to figure out what the use is of each of these things are going to be like but still it's like two million possibilities now in the world that to be the next iron to be the next bronze to be the next stone uh you know that's one thing the other thing is that uh, the that while we talk about like opening iron stuff here don't forget gemini came out with some stuff last week and they increased their token count to a million now to understand what this means is that your token is your prompt the stuff you put in okay now imagine you input the tax uh, laws of south africa and then you ask it questions about tax law. Imagine you input, for instance, the uh, uh, even something simple like the tax handbook that everybody's handing out right now because of the budget speech. You can easily input that into your, into a, into a, a, a GPT and ask it questions about taxes. It says, here's the input. I have this kind of particular thing. What uh, can I claim for? What is my this? There's a lot of like you know serious business that's involved in answering these questions at the moment. Do the same thing for uh, you know law. Um, there's an entire legal industry. Do the same thing for medical books. There's an entire medical industry that's going to be disrupted because these things can now, I mean, to give you an idea what a million tokens is, that's more than the Harry Potter series in terms of books. Okay. And, and, and it's not just that. This is the stuff that they're showing to the public. Apparently, in the research version, which they've shown already to, like, you know, demos of, they can input an hour of video and ask it questions about that video. So you can put a video in there of you know, uh, Buster Keaton doing something with no problem, just a video and ask it, summarize this, and it'll give you a summary of the film that it watched. Now, mm. can you imagine how the applications of that particular uh, thing and how it filters through? And the reason that we haven't seen it happen in the world so much is because GPT-4 is not even a year old. Yeah. It came out, <laughs> it's less than a year old. Look at Sora, look at the, the video one. And compare that to what the Woolsmith easy spaghetti thing looked like less than a year ago. Okay. Uh, right now, honestly, I cannot spot the difference between an AI uh, picture and a real picture with any kind of confidence. I can sometimes say, okay, it feels AI-ish, kind of feels real, but I don't know for certain. In a year's time, I can tell you right now, you will not be able to determine what a real video is and what an AI video is of anything. That is going to be disruptive, not just in terms of work, but in terms of how do you know what's real in the world? Uh, we've had a case already in Hong Kong where some poor woman was fooled by a uh, a video call and sent $25 million to the wrong person. 
<laughs> that is going to be a case that we're going to be dealing with more and more going forward. It's going to be, I, I forget about five years in the future. I don't know what next year looks like. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're, <laughs> you're genuinely scared, but how's it regulated? That's the point. And uh, David, you want to make one more point on AI before we no, no, come back to the real world, on, please? Mm? I, you know, a lot of clients now, a lot of people on the outside looking in are starting to ask, why haven't I got, why haven't I got in video and, and asking questions like this? Yes. And do you know that in November 21, okay, Mm. The share price was three twenty-five. Okay, today it's two years later, less than that. It's in the seven hundred and seventy era. Mm. But and this is the big but. In November twenty-one, when it was three twenty-five, we went into twenty twenty-two, time when rates were going, when Ukraine was uh, invaded by Russia, and so on. There were concerns about the chip industry, excess supply, and so on. That share price fell from 325 to 119. Nvidia lost over 66% of its value in 2022. Now, so why didn't we buy clients in Nvidia then? Because if we would have bought and that share price fell, you know what would have happened to us. It was only on the release of ChatGPT in November 22 that things started to change and it became parabolic, you know. And even then, no one was quite sure. So, yes, <laughs> for those of people who, who bought it some time ago and, and we, we withstood the, the this absolute fall, yes, they've done well and they've done the rewards. But if we would have bought it in 2022, Believe me, we would every day there were our phones would have been ringing and we would have been cursed and so on. So no one people forget that. People forget that in 2022, this is a share that actually lost 66 percent of its value. It's an extraordinary story, and the, the whole the whole AI business is extraordinary to, for anyone who doesn't follow it as assiduously as Sorry. as Viv Governor does. Go on, Viv. Yeah, the reason it fell was because of the of the fall in crypto. So before oh, AI, yes, of course you're right. It the, was these very much involved, yes. Yeah. Good so point, uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the crypto story is the, the, these chips are used to mine crypto as well as do AI uh, research. I mean, look, it's 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 technological. Uh, I do think there's a possibility in a couple of years' time that you might find something like ARM, for instance, being more attractive because uh, the way the technology works is you you use these multi-billion-dollar you know uh, systems to basically train that stuff up. Once it's trained up, it can be run on something much smaller. And there is developments out there for some of the stuff, for instance, that Meta is doing with the Llama, where you can run your own system on your own, on like a, a small device, like a laptop or desktop-sized device. And ARM is more suited to making those kind of things. And that might be something in the future that might be more attractive because they do a lot of uh, you know, mobile phones and so on. But I, I think it's, yeah, the technology will change. And if it, if it does shift away from the big data centers to maybe something more like, for instance, oh, you train a big model and it's like once off and then the model is used 100 million times by small devices. It could be the smaller device chip maker that makes the money and it's no longer the NVIDIA chip. Okay, let's come back to the real world now, gentlemen. David, I'll move to you now for the real world, which is apparently the stock exchange new service, which has come out with a lot of announcements oh, and a yeah. lot of numbers. Now, if you have a look at this, you've got Anglo-American, Pick and Pay, Harmony, Blue Label, Mondi, Goldfields and Tiger Brands, all coming with either results or mm. announcements. All of the ones I just mentioned, just cherry pick one or two, please, before I go I to Viv. Think, yeah, mm. the scary, scary one, pick and pay. Pick and pay, exactly. Mm. Uh, pick and pay, their debt elevated from, went up, skyrocketed 
from 3.8 billion to 7.2 billion within a few months, literally six months or less than six months, inventory, poor performance, etc. And they're announcing a 4 billion uh, rights issue, which Ooh. has taken the shares down 15%. I mean, it's an ad. This is turning out to be a, just a total, total disaster. You know, this is our pick and pay. Do you know what I'm saying to you? This is a company that was the prime, I mean, was a, a the prime grocer. Yeah, that, you know, for, for many, many years, this was the benchmark and for all industrial companies. And it touched a low uh, a few months ago or a few weeks ago, and it seems to be heading back to those kind of levels. It was a bit of a recovery with markets and that, but I mean, this is... Uh, you know, it's it's it, the market cap is down to about 10 billion now. So this is a major dilution. Almost, you know, after the rights issue, it would have been about a 30 percent dilution of uh, of equity. So it's a it's it's a it's a tough story. They came out with a, their results. I mean, the boxer, which is the low end of the market, doing well, but pick and pay, kind of drifting sideways. But I think it's more the debt that has been created and, uh, you know, that has absolutely scared investors. So that was, that was one. Look, there's plenty of other to talk about. I mean, it's impossible to go. No, we can't go through them all, all today. Through. But you picked the pick and pay, which is the one that I've circled here. Viv, be mm -hmm. honest with us now. Are you too busy with AI? And is there so much to keep you busy <laughs> that you don't look at the JSE anymore? Be honest with us, please. Honestly, it's, it's it's a smaller part of my, my my day than it used to be. Just because the performance has been so bad over the last several years, that most clients don't want to be invested in this in this in this yeah. local stock market unless they have to. I mean, if they have a, a um, you know a RA or something and they're forced to because of the limitations and offshore exposure, they will. But most people have just basically lost faith for discretionary money in the GSC, unfortunately. David, did my you hear what he just said? Right. David and no, I speak I'm, about I'm, this, Viv, a, a lot. Mm. And David, uh, you must be mm. saying, you must be nodding, but nodding sadly at, at what Viv Governor just said. I, I, I do it because, for example, I've got to give a talk tomorrow. I've been asked to give a talk. And, you know, a lot of it is around the budget. And uh, I'm not, I don't talk about the budget. I talk about what's happening in the country. And the pick and pay is whatever the results come through. I don't go through them line by line. But I do try to get a feel for what's happening in corporate South Africa. And it's not a pretty picture. Without, without exception, and there's, and there's something that I want to warn you about as well, which, con which concerns me. Yes. Lindsay, you know, it goes to what Viv's saying. Yes, we're we now finding and, uh, a huge number of clients now who have been exposed. And you know where they've been exposed to as well? They've been exposed through financial planners, if I may to, you know, the various balanced portfolios at some of the large institutions, which have not delivered what they thought. And they're now converting those to, to exposure offshore. So they, 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 their advisors have put them into, you know, this coronation product, the Ellen Gray product, and I'm not knocking the people in any, in any sense, but these are fund of funds and they're very broadly based with exposure to South Africa. It hasn't helped them. It hasn't created wealth. So what I look at is, is you know, I, I, I do look at the underlying economy. Lindsay, what worries me more than anything else is that while yesterday we produced the budget and we, we spoke about, uh, you know, uh, this 100 billion or 150 billion we're taking out of the reserves, but what concerns me more is what lies ahead for tax receipts next year. Because mm. if you look at the corporates, 
all the profits are heading one way. They're going down, which means less corporate tax uh, next year, you know, next year meaning ending what's at 25, uh, then this year, which was the end 24. So that worries me. And of course, if a company's losing money, it means the people that work for them are also not getting the bonuses and increases and salaries and so on as well. So I think, you know, one looks ahead, it's not a pretty picture that we paint. Viv, on the economy, you're a South African citizen, so you, you'll be worried about uh, what David had just said. But uh, the whole business of raiding the South African Reserve Bank larder of foreign exchange reserves and, and using it, which I think is probably the only thing that, that could be done. But it's it's robbing Peter to pay Paul. And what happens if Paul needs paying next year? It is a disturbing situation, Viv. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think uh, the, the reserve is going to be a problem because the, the reason that we have that surplus there is because the round weakened. Unless the round strengthens, you're not going to have an issue with the, mm-hmm. that surplus being diminished, uh, which I don't think is going to be a danger for a little while in South Africa, unfortunately. But yeah, you're correct. They're looking for temporary measures. And these temporary measures, even with something like half a trillion, uh, you know, that runs out very quickly. Uh, and my fear down the line, and I, I, I know it's the tinfoil hat and so on, is I'm looking for prescribed assets. I'm looking like down the line and thinking to myself, there's like five, six trillion rands tied up in you know the local yeah. pension system, uh, and all you got to do is change those laws a little bit to make it maybe 10% or 15% or 20% has to be in a special class of bonds uh, related to infrastructure, related to whatever, basically financing ESCOM, financing you know government debt, and that is I think is, is going to be a very slippery path once that that gets started, and I and I do foresee that happening in the next decade. Or so. Okay, gentlemen, let's have a look at the markets. Uh, we've been talking theory. Now let's have a look at what's going on on the world's markets. With the dollar rand, yeah, it was 18.82 this morning. It is now 19.15. A 1.3% fall for the rand against, or, or the gain for the dollar against the rand. Now, is that to do with people suddenly looking at the budget and expressing concerns like you two have? I don't know. We'll come to that in a second. But anyway, a British pound against the rand is 24.18. Euro rand is 20.71. Euro dollar. 108, which is a quarter of a percent fall for the euro, gain for the US dollar. Uh, British pound against the US dollar is 126.25. On to commodities now. Okay, we've got the gold price, barely changed at 2022. The platinum price is up 13 to 8.98, and the palladium price is 9.50, which is up around about $4.50 per ounce. And other commodities, okay, here we go. On the eve of, well, a couple of days away from the two-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, crude oil, $78 exactly now, up just over 0.1%. And Brent crude oil, $83.06 per barrel, which is also very slightly higher. Natural gas prices are down three and two-thirds percent. And so we go on. Now, all important bond markets, US 10-year, after the FOMC minutes last night, doing very little indeed, 4.32%. And the South African 10-year bond yield after yesterday's budget, just holding above 10%. So no surprises there on in the budget for the South African bond traders, investors. S&P 500, 5,072.5 for the S&P futures, the March futures. Bitcoin, 51,382, which is up just under 1%. So had a terrific run. And yeah, a lot of people will be very happy about that. David, any other news items that I've missed in, in what has been already a packed show? No, I think we mentioned all the companies that have come out um, you know, most of the mining businesses as well. We knew the results 
Um, Tiger Brands also restructuring, which is another story that's come out as well, also identifying issues. They just flat the share was down 3.4%. Um, but but by a lot, look, it was a pretty good day on the on on the JSC with gains right across the board. I'm battling with that rand, you know <laughs> what. Mm. what whether or not it was dollar-related or whether or not someone decided, okay, I've had enough, I'm a bit nervous about what's happening in the country, the underlying economy, we're getting out. But that hasn't come through in the bond market, you know, in the in the uh, in the 10-year, which you say is keeping pretty steady. So it is a bit of a mystery, you know, why, why it is so weak. But what it does show you is that no one went the other way. You know, no, nobody celebrated uh, what the what the Minister of Finance had to say. Hmm. And I think there was an expectation that uh, the RAND would improve. No, it didn't. But, I mean, you know what's very interesting as well is that uh, our listed property is picking up quite a bit. There's suddenly uh, an appetite for for property basic, basic, you know, on the basis that, that, that uh, we might have seen the bottom of that side of the market. The yields are attractive. Uh, yields, uh, interest rates are going to come down somewhere. So we've been seeing just nibbling at the section all the time. And I'm just looking at SA listed property up over 2% today. You know, that's the the index, all property index up 2% as well, which is probably the best performing sector, you know, on the market today. We'll come to the sectors in a moment. I just want to give you some ups and downs, individual stock-wise from my screen, Anglo-American Platinum, which was being written off after its results. But anyway, today, up 7.1%. Impala Platinum up nearly 6%. Sassel, 4.25% higher. And Mondi PLC up just over 3.5% after its update today. Downside, pick and pay, horror show. Down nearly 15%. I mean, it's not as if it was at 100 rand a share and came down 15%. It's at a very, very low level and came down 15%. People hate this thing. Goldfields down 4%. Tiger Brands down 4 as well. Carew down nearly 4 And Sun International, a 3% loser. Viv, are there any South African stocks, while when you take your mind off AI, any South African stocks that you think might be worth a nibble? Oh, look, I mean, <laughs> there's a big pause there. Yeah. Nothing is too attractive. Unfortunately, there's nothing that screams at me that's screaming by. You're going to take a bit of a punt on something like Sassel or maybe some of the platinum stocks because they've fallen so much, maybe. Yeah. But other than that, I would not be too interested in South African stocks, unfortunately. Very Especially good indeed. Especially the opportunity for like NVIDIA going up 15% in a day is available out there. Your honesty is admirable. Uh, David, give us the closing indices, if you would. On the JSC, we closed up 1.5%, 1.5%, 7.4113. Gains right across the board, no red. Uh, the resource index up about 1.4%, um, with uh, mainly up at the top end of the market. Banks are also pretty strong. The bank index up 1.25%. Overall, financials also steady, but uh, industrials up 1.9%, uh, 1.8%, and I think that's the RAND also helping uh, underpin some of those gains, particularly with our heavyweight industrials. Now, with the RAND falling as much as it did, it does uh, cushion, you know, it just gives an extra lift. And as I mentioned, the property index up 2.1%, with, uh, which is a good gain. But looking I, just just quickly at the top 80 stocks that I have on one of my watch lists, yes. I think this is a three to four to one. You know, in other words, four gainers to everyone loses. Loser, that's how big. Lindsay Value Trade, it's still 
pitifully low. When I say pitifully low, I mean that, that word. You know, we virtually, uh, I mean, even on a day like today where there's been so much uh, around the world markets, we're at about, what, 16 billion? You know, f- yeah, mm. about 16. And it's funny enough, it's Goldfields, Anglo's first round that dominated the uh, the trade. Naspers, which normally is the top trader, came in at number four. But it's um, those are the ones, yeah. Okay. I don't, well, it's difficult I, to make a living on this market. Because well, if you're a, if you're a transactional broker, yeah. Yeah, if you yeah. get up every day and say, I've got to do an X number of trades in order to earn my salary mm. or to earn a bit yeah. of money, then it, it's not. Mm. I gave a task to a commentator yesterday and I said, please get all the JSE volumes, daily volumes in RAND terms over the last five years and make a graph out of them and then do a convert it into US dollars and then take the JSE limited share price and uh, put that in. So so there's three three sort of overlays and see what it's like. David, you like this sort of thing. Viv is is not the man to ask to to do this. He's the man to ask to do lots of other things, which will be the future. (laughs) You're now looking at the past, David. It would be an interesting uh, graph, I think. Of, Of course it would be. Yeah, it would be. You know, I think the stock exchange must be having lots of problems. I know they've got other areas in which they make money. But at the end, this is a marketplace. You know, this is where you attract people to come and sell their wares, to raise capital and so on. Mm. And uh, it, it just, it's just not doing it. And the reason it's not doing it is because the economy is is we're going to grow at, uh, what's it, 1.3, 1.6, 1.8. I don't know. I was just talking to the Minister of, you know, listening to the Minister of Finance. And those are generally exaggerated levels. They don't normally meet them. So the, the overall market is 3. Point, I mean, sorry, the overall global economy is going to grow over 3%, 3.2. We're half that. You know, South Africa's half of it. And we're a so-called developing nation with lots of population that need to – you know, they need to eat, they need to buy things. Uh, how, how can you do anything? You know, how can any business prosper uh, with that kind of, with those kind of issues? And the one thing about the budget that scared me, there was absolutely no mention of fixed investment, you know, which is the, which is the bedrock, the foundation of growth in an economy, nothing. Mm. So yeah, it's 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 a you know these are worrying signs. They are worrying signs, and Viv, just to close with you on this one, I spoke to a commentator yesterday, and he was very enthusiastic about about the way that South Africa was going, and he said, "Look what we've done. State capture is no longer an issue. We, Mr. Ramaphosa and his team, have have stamped out oh, state capture." And I thought, Viv, I said to myself, "Well." It shouldn't have, shouldn't have happened in the first place. So you created something that was was awful, which was the daylight robbery. I mean, someone pickpocketing the South African state, and now you're saying because it's gone, they then they should be lauded. Viv, it's it's not right, is it? I, I don't believe it's gone. I mean, well, what is the proof it's gone? There's, there's no evidence in transnet. There's no evidence in ESCOM. There's no evidence in the municipalities. I mean, there's absolutely no evidence that state capture is gone. It's, it's, it's. I mean, I'd be amazed if if you can bring up some evidence that okay, it's not as blatant as it was in the Zuma year. Uh, it's not getting as like you know like like there's insane kind of craziness that's happening there. But it, there's definitely levels of corruption at transnet, ESCOM, the municipalities. Uh, you know, uh, that are beyond what you would expect in a in a well functioning country. Uh, I would almost suspect that the person you're talking to had a surname Ramaphosa himself. 
so I, I don't I don't believe that. I, I, hate, to remind you this, yeah, I hate to remind yeah. you, as I look out, this is my second batch of uh, load shedding today at a time where oh. it should have been gone. I think we're getting another one later this evening as well. So three times a day, six hours a day, no electricity. And you're telling what – what did the chap say? State he says the, yeah, the, the, Ramaposa has, the Ramaposa regime uh, yeah, has stamped out state capture, and we must be very proud of that in South Africa, that that's happened, and yeah, we're moving forwards. And I thought, okay, yeah. well, I'm we, not going to – We haven't got electricity. Mm. Just to say case. <laughs> But this guy looked like a pause that would have fixed those glasses. <laughs> because I don't know who this person is that believes oh, that to be know. true. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. yeah. I mean, look at Transnet. I mean, Kumbas came out with results and said they can't produce in uh, at the mm. current quantities because they have too much stuff sitting at the port because yeah. of Transnet <laughs> and the railway lines. I mean, I mean and, and, and we're talking about the possibility of what's called low water shifting, where we can't get water. You know, that, that is a ridiculous thing. And like David said, like you talk about 1.6% over the next couple of years. I would bet you two to one odds that we will not have 1.6% averaging no, no. in GDP for the next two, two years. Mm. I, I, would, I, would, I would bet that easily because every single time it's almost like a, you know, uh, like elastic band. As you get closer to the point where, the, you know, reality, it goes lower and lower and lower. Mm. And this is happening with, you know, consistently. Last year, what we had, 0.6% growth yeah. for a country like South Africa? Six. Yeah. 0.6%. I mean, the population is going way faster than that. That means that average people are poorer this year than they were last year. And that's going to be the same thing going forward. So I, I don't know where that comes from. And as you talk about the GSE, I'm actually at the GSE building at the moment. And downstairs, Jane Goodall, uh, the chimpanzee lady, is being honored. Okay. And so, yes, they, the business is still, is, is still being run reasonably, you know, if, you know, profitably because they're obviously able to do that kind of stuff. But what's really the function of the GSE is not to generate money for the GSE. It's to generate basically new businesses for South yeah. Africa. It's to fund new things. And I don't know when last we have a new thing coming. And the next thing we're going to have is that we buy cars uh, is going to be the next big thing that we have in the GSC. And that's basically a split off from a currently running, uh, you know, company, uh, transaction capital. But, you know, where where are the AI, where's the open AI of South Africa? Where's those kind of things that are happening? They, and they tell me they price the cars with the AI. So. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, that, but that's like saying you're a computer company because you use Windows. Yeah. You know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or an IT company because you have internet uh, in your <laughs> Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, I mean, we have the brain power. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we do because we we historically have done so much, uh, you know, way beyond our, our our capabilities in terms of our our size in terms of uh, you know AI or IT in general. Look at the number of South Africans that are really prominent in the uh, Silicon Valley at the moment. You know, just running businesses. Not just Elon Musk. There's a whole bunch of people. Half mm. the PayPal ma- mafia are South African, or <laughs> in the case of Peter Thiel, Namibian. Uh, and yet, we in South Africa don't have any kind of, you know, activity happening here. I, I, I'm, you know, just I'm not to my own on, but I'm trying to get a, a fund. Like I told you guys, you know, not just my my listed capital fund, which is obviously up and running, but I'm, I was trying to get a, a venture capital thing going uh, around South African AI, and, and, and it's been such a a difficult thing to get going because if we don't keep these people in South Africa, they're just going to leave and they're going to go to the U.S. Yeah. and make $10, $20 million a year, which is good for them. But that money is going to be earned in the U.S. and taxed in the U.S. And we in South Africa who train them, fed them until they are smart enough to leave are going to be left behind. So, yeah, uh, I'm very pessimistic at the moment, unfortunately. Okay. I'm sorry I asked actually now. <laughs> but very good, very good answer, Viv. And both of you, thanks very much for your passionate reporting this evening. Dave 
David Shapiro is from Sassoon Securities in Johannesburg, uh, Viv Governor from Rand Swiss, and that was the five o'clock shadow. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.